Hello and welcome back to season two, episode five of The Dive. We got started early this year with The Dive. We're on episode five and we're going into what, week four of the NALCS? I can't count that high. <laughs> I guarantee I you can. <laughs> I'm Jack, joined by Kobe Nizale. We're talking about some cool stuff today. SKT, why do they suck and will it get better? The patch, obviously 8.3. The patch notes just shipped last night. We're recording mm-hmm. this on Wednesday morning. Uh, we'll also be talking a little bit about the meta and the state of top lane, and then finally closing with NALCS. Yeah, we have some hype matchups coming up uh, this weekend, so we're just going to try to dive into those a little bit. But uh, we should start with SKT. You know, you mentioned it. It's been a pretty big topic of discussion in the community, why SKT sucks, uh, what's wrong with them. This is really the first time in in their organization's history that they've been this bad, yeah. and people aren't sure it's going to get better. Yeah, so... For some context, if people haven't been following the LCK super closely, prior to last night, they were technically last place because mm-hmm. they were one in five and they lost the head-to-head to MVP. They beat Barbecue Olivers last night in a close best of three. It took them uh, all three not games. Not barbecue. The best of the best <laughs> oh, yeah. quality. It's Oliver. actually Come not barbecue. Ah, oh, I forgot. <laughs> BBQ Olivers is not to be confused with the barbecue Olivers, which don't exist. (laughs) You'd have to be a fool. Yeah, it confused the chicken. Okay, (laughs) anyway, uh, the MVP series to me stood out in a crazy way because not only had MVP been 0-5 before they played SKT, they hadn't won a single game. Mm -hmm. They were 0-10, and then they beat SKT in that best of three, but... Like TLDR, SKT started their third different jungler. They've played Blank. They've played Wolf. Ooh, now they've played Blossom. Wolf is now their support. They've been trying effort. They've tried two different top laners, Thal and Untara. They've just been trying everything. What and, do you guys think? And they've had just the part of the problem for people in trying to understand, oh, what happened to SKT is that there are you know, multiple confounding factors here. They have more than one problem. Everyone mm-hmm. wants to just, oh, uh, Fall you know, sucks, you know, or oh, uh, blank sucks, or something like that. But but that hasn't it hasn't been that clear, right? There have been draft issues, not every single game, but some of the games, yes, there have been draft mm-hmm. issues. Faker talked about that in his interview afterwards as well. Uh, he also talked about it being more important than the draft issues were the issues with their plays and the the individual feedback that they were getting. Um, so and that's why they also started this rotation of players because Como is trying to, um, I believe he said, you know, do something with the bad situation, like make the best of a, you know, bad situation uh, to try and like move around the parts to see who they could get uh, to actually have some synergy. Yeah, I mean, it's way more than just a a draft issue. I watched a bunch of SKT this weekend because I was kind of curious, like Mm -hmm. what is actually going on with these guys? And um, one of the biggest things for me that I came away with was, like obviously, it's it's more than one issue, right? You know, they they lost some of their star players. They uh, are having draft issues. They're having coordination issues. It's never just one thing when a team goes from mm-hmm. world finals to last place. Uh, but to to look at some stats in the top lane, it was pretty shocking. Like I was I was watching Untara play, uh, watching Thal play, and I started looking up some stats. So Untara is second to last in kill participation. He's has the worst goal difference at ten. He has the worst CSD at ten. He has the lowest first blood percentage. He has the lowest DPM. He has the lowest gold percentage, the lowest damage percentage. He's like, he's like the worst at everything. <laughs> and, and it's just like watching him, you see that. It, and it, it feels harsh to say, but he's 
like he's not an aggressive player. He's kind of trying to hold evenish, but he's not mm-hmm. doing that. And he's like not really creating any pressure on the map. When you look at a lot of the top laners over the last couple of years that have done very, very well for SKT, when you think of, you know, Duke and you think of Mar and you think of even like Huni playing extremely aggressively and these sorts of things, they're people who drew pressure mm-hmm. and relieve pressure. Um, and he's someone who has, has not been able to do that at right. all. And like one of the things that really stood out to me and, you know, Thal, I think, has been playing better, but not massively, but it's like watching, you know, one matchup where they like, so earlier in the season, uh, KT plays uh, King Zone, SKT plays King Zone. So Khan picks Fiora into Thal's Camille, absolutely yeah. slams him. He's just destroying him. He's 1v2 killing him under turret. He's putting on so much pressure. And then seeing them pick the reverse matchup where mm-hmm. they get the Fiora and Untara's playing it and literally nothing happens. It's just like a farm lane. He's like 0-0-1, 40 minutes in the game. It's just, they're not able to really uh, perform at the level they need to. And it's not even just, you know, aggressive matchups or exciting ones, you know, like yeah. like that. Um, the meta right now in top lane, you can play farm champions, right? You can mm-hmm. play defensive champions. Mm-hmm. Gangplank is one of the most highly sought after ones. In the early game, you're, you know, you're just trying to make money, right? Yep. Uh, he got Gangplank one time. He went 1-6-3 and three in that loss. And that was a rough one, right? Yeah. It's it's not just like, oh, yeah, he's a yeah. the defensive player or whatever. Because people were talking about it last year at Worlds, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, he'll be the solid one that will just always be consistent and, and farm. And Huni will be the super aggressive one. Um, and, yeah. And the thing is, that works if your bottom lane is smashing and your mid lane is smashing. And then you're, okay, I'm never going to get help. And I'm just going to be kind of even-ish and not really try anything. That's great. But the bot lane is not smashing anymore. And Faker yeah. is getting so heavily focused because there's no pressure really anywhere else on the map, right. it feels and like. And he's had three different junglers. Yep. And they've actually played, I found last night, uh, half of the Sivir in the LCK, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. Bang has played it six times. The LCK has played it 11 times. And that's not necessarily something that gives you the early game pressure. So if they have no pressure in the top lane, a rotating door in the jungle, and a farm bot lane, it's like they are literally just waiting for Faker to do something. But... Everyone knows that, so it's going really slow. And that's a, another point that people have been bringing up with SK Telecom because they see Faker engaging a lot, you know, being like the initiator mm-hmm. for the team. They're like, what's going on? Oh, he feels so much pressure uh, because the rest of his team's not doing anything. In player and in comp, right? Like a lot of times they're comps that can't do anything. If they have a GP and a Sivir and a Tom Kench with the Kazakhs jungle, it's like, yeah, you're going to engage on Kassadin. Yeah, his answer uh, in the interview was that they're just are more mid laners right now that have it in their kits to initiate. Uh, True. And so that's what he was he was talking about. It's not just uh, the player issue. There's definitely some player issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's why I say yeah. it's not just. Sounds like Azale plays it a little bit in the top lane. Just yeah, a little, a little bit. bit. But also, I mean, so it's really funny. Uh, we've been playing some some flex two together sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and Kobe Kobe gave us a first game Camille the other the other week. And we won. He get in we there. We won. We won. Right. But there was maybe a little bit of hiccups here and there. Right. So I was watching the MVP SKT series, one of the series I watch. Blank locks in Camille. I'm pretty sure he just gave SKT yeah. on stage a first game first Camille. Because that was awful. He's like, he doesn't even look like he knew what the kid was doing. He's Well, that was the one like a week last week, right? Last yeah, week. yeah. He he had played it way earlier in the season. Yeah, and they it, won. It, with it, was it, looking, it was looking rough. Um, one thing that I do want to touch on really quickly I know he's played it. Uh, with SKT that not many people have talked about is at the start of the year, they did make coaching adjustments to their org. In... The last three years, there has actually been head coach Carter, mm-hmm. like picks and bands coach, strategic coach Coma, 
and the rest of the team. Carter is no longer with the SKT League organization. He's off doing, I believe they said he's going to focus on PUBG. Okay. So Carter's, or so Coma's kind of doing both now. And we never really did see Carter in any of the interviews or the features. But from what I heard, he was pretty involved with just the team and either the mm -hmm. discipline side of things or really helping Coma make through decisions. And they don't have that anymore. So I am wondering a little bit, uh, it is a bit of a new role for Coma and how the team's going to adjust to that. Ooh, and, I haven't heard this angle before. Neither have yeah. I. And you're, you're turning the tables on Coma, huh? Well, Carter was just really important, I think. Yeah, it's, I right? mean, it's the authority really figure is no longer there. Yeah, and and if, if the team is struggling, like there's there's more work, more responsibility put on a, a even just the picks and bands coach as you were, and if he has all these additional responsibilities uh, on top of that too, that's going to be pretty tough. But I do think there are you know some glimmers of hope uh, for SKT. Obviously, they won with Blossom. I don't think he was he's you love you on anything. the Blossom hype train. No, nah, I don't know if I am. I, saw, <laughs> I didn't I didn't get to see the full series. It was last night. I just watched some highlights this morning. It seemed okay. They won the series, but. I, I do think it's positive that they're at least trying things that they are uh, you know swapping players around that they are trying to find something that works uh, because when you're when you're struggling this hard I, I think you need to change things up I think you do need to try to make some changes and yeah and hopefully they can find like something that works right like I, I think Untara is clearly not working I would personally rather see them at this point like if Blank is not playing that well if, if Wolf is not playing that well just put your three rookies in get them experience, some experience see what happens I thought for a second you're gonna say Blank top lane you're like goes pop because that's not happening yeah. Wolf goes mid I'm, exactly okay. I'm open to anything now yeah. Wolf was juggling so I think the final answer to this question is they're or they're two and five yeah right that's seven games into their 18-game split. They're still playing best of threes. The top five teams make it into playoffs. How about this? Does SKT make playoffs? I don't think so. Not in spring. I was going to say, Woo! what odds would you give for their upcoming match versus KSV? Bad. 10%. Like 1,000 to 1 or something? I give them 10%. Yeah. That's... I think that well, okay, ten percent. Yeah. In yeah. the meta right now, I was like, eh, it, you can draw it out. Yeah, late, that's maybe. like that's yeah, like the bet know. of you dress up and cosplay again if you say if like SKT wins and if KSV wins, I like wear a glove. Like that's the scale <laughs> of what it would wear be. Wear only a glove. No. What's Just, going on? Wait, what? <laughs> I put a glove on. My, everything else is the same. There's nothing else. <laughs> okay. Kobe's intrigued. Yeah, Kobe's um, intrigued. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I think spring is is like. Pretty dunzo. Well, but yeah. but summer summer I think there's there's like a lot of time to improve before worlds. And I think, you know, the fact that Marin is is taking spring off, everyone is gonna be looking at that, right? When Top Lane is struggling this hard, when Marin is is kind of streaming for spring, if they can convince him to come to SKT, things change, I think, a lot. Yeah. And I I do also need to cut them some slack in the fact mm -hmm. that they've been in three world championships in a row. Faker's been to every all-star game, they've been to pretty much every MSI. This team has had fewer breaks than any yeah. other team in League of Legends over the past four years. So there's a level of burnout where you just need to have a natural ebb and flow, and it's hitting them really hard right now. Uh, I think they'll be back, but they've lost so many games at the start, and I don't know if the the switcheroos they were doing in the rosters is showing like much promise. I know there was a lot of like positive things that people were saying about Blossom on Reddit, mm -hmm. but he made some really bad plays in the BBQ Oliver game last night. He had the nice Baron steal, but aside from that, 
like totally different page, bad engages, bad ideas for things. Uh, he's so far away from being like an SKT caliber jungler. Yeah, I think a lot of the positive things were people that have just been so closely following the zero five streak that their bar for SK Telecom hey, they did something. has dropped down to like here and they're like, Ah, oh, yes. At least, you know, he's trying. You know, he's hit, and, hit or miss. At least not only miss. Mm-hmm. So, uh... <laughs> he got know, the he, hit. He got, he got hit. the hit. He got some hits in there. They're like, yeah, he's a you know, rookie. He's, he's not scared. He's taking chances. I like it. Yeah. All right. So, SKT... All right. Say right now, will they make playoffs? Yes or no? No. Not I don't, I don't think so. Come on, man. I, <sighs> say it, then. They will make playoffs. There's the man who also said CLG number one. <laughs> they have the same record as TSM, who you guys said was going to be number one. They play this weekend. That'll, ooh. That is hype. Yeah, anyway, we're going to get to that a bit later. We want to uh, continue to move on. The state of top lane, Azale. Okay. You are... Well, hold on. You're skipping over the best what intro. What am I skipping over? I want to intro this with... All right, you can Okay, intro. so if you guys were paying attention to Reddit, you know, there was this video. Hashinshin started it all. Mm-hmm. This top lane discussion. Wow. That then, uh, you know, Wicked has jumped in on, and we've had Alorum, I believe, also made a Reddit post. Who uh, said... I think Alorum said it was fine. Yeah. Like there's there's, yeah, been, oh, there's yeah. been dueling Reddit posts. Certain top laners saying it's fine. Certain top laners saying it's not. Yeah, it's a discussion where yeah. you know both sides are mm-hmm. being represented. Um, but I just found the Hashinshin video that, that kind of started it all so hilarious <laughs> and scary at the same time um, because he Tell just us why. he just goes um, it. You have to watch it, honestly. You can't explain it. And I, I actually have it pulled up here, and I was thinking <laughs> okay. of playing the audio, okay. but it's too much. So um, he, in typical Hashinshin fashion, mm-hmm. he gets, you know, very tilted by, um, you know, a play in the, in by the top everything. lane. Yeah, okay. by everything. I mean, he, so it starts out, he's doing a normal rant, and he's like, oh, yeah, I don't like the game now. You know, meta's not as fun or whatever, complaining about just kind of normal Hashinshin uh, level of, of complaints. But then there's this play. I, I've slowed it down to the slow-mo where okay. he's Jax, uh, you know, typical, fighting uh, Fiora. Okay. Uh, and he's just doing his normal complaining. And then Fiora goes in uh, for the cue. Right, and right as she's about to touch him, you know, he presses his E, Counter-Strike, to try and block it. And yes, Q should be blocked by a Counter-Strike. Okay. Um, but... I have it slowed down as slow as I could make it, and I think he presses it just after uh, the Q lands. Mm-hmm. So the Q lands, and it's a vital proc, and yeah. the Fiora gets like a, a small hit of damage or whatever, and he just goes berserk. He's like right through the counters, and then just like yelling for like five more minutes after that um, about how the game is broken and all this stuff. But uh, as far as I can tell, uh, I think he activated Counter-Strike a little late there, buddy. I think that was just and that's the, the whole discussion. That, the straw yeah, that broke the, the whole discussion. Really, but yeah, that's, the, that's the, right the one time, where he snapped and then top he goes on. Fine. So there, there are a few things uh, that I think have been brought up in the discussion that there are sheds of truth to. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of how you feel like the game should be played and how the game direction has gone in the past few years like i have always complained about 80 carries it's like they are actually really strong in the laning phase that's why the laning exists and they're also the late game carries so yeah they're gonna have a dip in the mid game but when they have a dip in the mid game oh boy better make sure that doesn't happen that type of thing Mm -hmm. annoys me because i'm not an 80 carry player right but for 80 carry players 
there's a bunch of stuff that just kills him. And when I'm super fed, I'm just one-shotting 80 carries mm -hmm. or being unkillable to 80 carries. So I don't see those negative parts. So there's kind of the ebb and flow to everything. But uh, Azale, you do play a lot of top lane. Mm -hmm. Where do you fall on the top lane sucks right now versus top lane is fine? So... To, to be fair, I have not really closely followed uh, the, these discussions yeah. on Reddit. And it makes you unbiased. Uh, what is your opinion? I, I, I think top lane is, like, lacking some agency right now. I think top lane is a little bit weak compared to some of the other roles. Like, I actually play a lot of Phil. I play mostly Phil. And um, I have played a lot of top two. You know, that's mm -hmm. why I play, like, you know, when I played uh, on playtest and all that stuff. Yep. Um, but I, I find that right now, there's like so many so many matchups and stuff where you are it's it feels very very decided by the jungler it feels mm -hmm. very hard to actually like decide lanes without a jungler and it feels like you're kind of just sitting around waiting and hoping that's going to happen and i'm not sure exactly exactly why that is i think partially it's to do um at least like at higher elo and stuff with like how people can pull off dives so easily with stopwatch like mm -hmm. even if you're playing pretty carefully even if you're you know high hp people can pull off these sort of dives on you and put you extremely behind um like my understanding, and, and this is, I know that Hashin Shin and um, uh, Wicked and some of these guys have been talking about these problems for a long time because I'd watched mm -hmm. a video, you know, a couple months ago, I think, when Runes first got changed. And my understanding with most people's complaints along that line is is that there's not really like a bruiser keystone because when Fervor got taken out, uh, people just feel like press the attack is just so much massively worse. And mm -hmm. I do think it's way worse, right? Like I like to play a lot of jacks. I like to play a lot of that stuff too. I don't personally play jacks in a top lane really anymore when I'm playing it. I play jungle. Jungle jacks. Um, which like I've always liked anyway. But like I do think there's some merit to it and uh, along those lines. But at the same time, it's like you can't take just one side of it because mm -hmm. you look at like TF Blade who's still smashing people on Aurelia who, you know, that's Wicked's kind of... Aurelia and Akali and yeah. he's basically permanently in the top three of the NA lab. Yeah, I mean, he finished he finished last season first and second and then had another account, I think, somewhere around like pretty mm -hmm. high up. He was almost one, two, and three. Uh, and one one like example does not say, oh, okay, Aurelia's fine, you know, yeah. but... Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. not as bad as people are making the, it. The role itself can still have game impact. Like yeah. Vipers are always in the top five mm -hmm. or 10 with like Riven, Yasuo one-tricking, um, and a few other things now that he's on Team Liquid Academy. But I do also see like playing since 2010 and just seeing the way top lane mm -hmm. has evolved over time, there has always been at least a similar theme to the complaints. Mm -hmm. Like just based on the position of the map, it's a longer lane than mid lane which makes it more punishable by a yeah. jungler. And also, if a jungler is to put attention there, they are so far away from the rest of the map, so they're naturally going to spend... Uh, there's You're more likely to have a mismatch in the amount of time that someone spends there. So that in itself already creates an environment where if you are to play a top lane champion, you're going to need to have some really strong defensive abilities. Mm -hmm. So if someone ganks you, like you need to be able to survive, which naturally moves towards tanks. And then you have that twist of... Or if you just play super aggressive, well, then suddenly the game's in the jungler's hands. Because there's certain champions that go up there, like Kale, that you can shove someone in, but if the jungler camps you, you're dead. Or Teemo, right? right? Like, you're playing against a Teemo, your, your answer is basically wait and hope your jungler comes. Yeah, so even though that lane, I think, can have a very large game impact, and if mm -hmm. there is a large mismatch in top lane, that absolutely decides the Definitely. game. I think when you're in a game where a lot of people are even skill, it's almost less likely to feel like you have a large influence on the game. Because jungle gets to choose where they want to go. Mid lane can roam to either lane and get wards on both sides. Bot lane has two people to help wards. But top lane is still on that island mm -hmm. that still gets to be influenced by everyone. See, that's the thing. I don't feel like top lane is an island anymore. And that might be okay. one of the things that's... 
um, kind of affecting this because mm-hmm. um, it is pretty secluded up there. But bottom laners are taking teleport now. Mm. Uh, junglers, I feel like, are going the top lane fairly frequently, actually. Um, and that, of course, is you know part. Yeah, of, part I mean, of especially in pro when you got like four spell books. Um, I know after week two of NALCS, I was commenting that it seemed like a lot of teams' action was happening in top lane because relic shields were there. Um, we'll see how it it goes out. I was mainly talking generally about the top lane, but continue. Yeah. Um. So so I think, and I, as well, if you look at the champions that uh, are actually being played played in pro play right now, it's not as bad uh, as far as like diversity that mm-hmm. it has been many times in the past. You know, there there's tank options. You know, people are still playing Maokai and Cho'Gath a bit. Um, of course, Orn, um, you know, was there before the nerfs and is still kind of represented, mostly in support now, though. Yeah, he's going to see picks, but he's not going to be dominant. For that, but I mean, then there's also, like, you list off the things that people even ban in solo queue and Gangplank and Nar and Camille mm-hmm. and Vladimir, and that's already, like, four right there that people do spend bans on as far as, you know, the influence yeah. on the mm-hmm. game and the threat, so... Uh, like, there are a lot of options. But beyond that, people still play the Rivens and Jason, even a little bit of Shen and stuff. So. Yeah, I, I think top lane is, is still strong. It's That's less my point, I guess. Like, one of the, the things I think that people are complaining about more, or my understanding that they're complaining about more, is, like, one of the things I have felt more since, I think, in, in the season, since Rune Update in general, has been... Um, like you pick OP or you lose kind of thing in top lane as far as, mm. and I think that is somewhat to do with isolation because it's a longer lane because there are like some super, super power picks. If you don't want to play like what is the most OP thing, you know, then oftentimes you're in these really tough, like you just get counterpicked and then you're isolated and then you're completely dependent upon your jungler. Whereas if I'm playing bot lane or if I'm playing jungle even, like yes, there are tough jungle matchups, but you can generally like avoid it. You can still have more agency. It feels like in mid lane, you're more safe because it's a shorter lane. You can roam to other sides. In bot lane, it's two versus two. It's not like even if it's a Draven versus a Vayne, there's still like options to be able to to mm-hmm. do other things because you have the assistance. Like that's, I guess, more what I dislike right, right now. You're saying like mid or bot lane, when you're mismatched, it's like a 65-35 or 60-40. Yeah. But in top lane, lane it's 80-20. It's done. Or at least it's how it feels. It can yeah. feel that way. And it's just, and it's it's not that there aren't ways like that you can't just sit on your turret and take it and farm it out and whatever, but it's just not a fun way to play the game, right? If you get stuck in that, um, because then you are super jungle dependent. It's like, well, I sure hope Kobe comes up and saves me. Otherwise, I cannot beat this person at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to get put ahead kind of to do it. And then I think people are kind of feeling that's ex- like exasperated by the fact that you know if you are doing well in jungle and you're like a red smite jungler, you can sometimes just go up and one v one the top laner, right, and that sort of yeah. thing. Um, but I don't know. In general, I think there is still like a, a lot of variety that can be played in top lane. It's just by nature, I think by the, by the way that the map is designed and everything, I think it's the most frustrating role to play because mm. you're more dependent on on your teammates, like, and you have less access to them. And if, if the other guy is going to get more help, it just feels a lot of time like, well, yeah. I guess I lose. Well, I still feel like jungle is more frustrating because I have to, really? listen, I have to listen to top laners complain about this <laughs> all the time. <laughs> well, I just play jungle and then, <laughs> then I can no, just do what I want. Jungling is fine as long as you're okay with with taking criticism and stuff. And I, I do think there's, there's points of truth to that, but uh, that's also just kind of the way it's always been. Yeah. I think the main difference would be the people that really like Fervor don't necessarily have replacement for that. And those are the people that are most angry because when I go top lane... Uh, when I get put up there because I'm trying to learn solo lanes now, so I queue mm-hmm. mid-top and I've been playing a decent amount of top, like, I'll either play Vladimir if I feel like there's a carry matchup, or I'll play Malphite or Nautilus or Maokai and just do the neutralized thing because uh, I'm okay winning that way, but totally understand if you're a top lane main, like, mm-hmm. you're not going to want to do that every game, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and they, you know, 
people who loved Fervor and Fervor Champions I can understand that, right? Because that because there's not really a suitable replacement for that. Yeah. So those are legitimate. One thing, uh, another thing that he did bring up though was also junglers can just gank nonstop because the camp respawns are longer yeah, now. That didn't make any That's sense. not to true. me, which my brain That's started to explode, and I was like. All right, the catch-up experience is much worse now, so it's very important that you're keeping up on experience, especially yeah. early on yeah. uh, in the game right now. If you're able to absorb ganks top lane without dying, the enemy jungler should, uh, like your as jungler, as long as your jungler crush. is playing smart and taking their the, should the destroy the map. The high elo uh, jungling has even kind of turned into like. Counter jungling. Uh, not even just counter jungling, raptor wars, basically. Mm -hmm. Everyone just fighting over. Who can get most raptor camps, right? And you get an extra yeah. raptor camp early on, and you're you're first to level six, and and then you can use your you know level six gank, and all these types of things uh, do snowball heavily. But um, let's move on to the patch discussion, I think, yep. because this is this is pretty interesting, right? Uh, we're getting to eight point three now, and eight point three not only is it hitting spellbook as well as the stopwatch. Uh, catastrophe that everyone has been stopwatch and boots are going in the about. same tier, and I believe they moved biscuits down to the the tier below it. Yeah, and spellbook got ten percent less uh, summoner spell cooldown reduction, yep. so now it's down to uh, what fifteen percent uh, yep, from twenty five. Uh, they're also hitting a bunch of the champions, but uh, this this spellbook nerf, I feel like people are still going to utilize it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's still. 15% is still pretty good, uh, and especially the ones that were looking for the actual swap of the summoner spells. Some people were just taking it for the cooldown reduction, uh, you know, but a lot of people were um, taking Ignite in lane and being able to swap to teleport if you didn't have to use it or you need to get back and, and recover like that. Yeah. And that kind of recovery mechanism, I also do understand when people are complaining about that as a point of frustration. Right, and... Specifically, the spellbook frustration at high levels of play is you use all your resources to shove out, and then you can just TP back faster, and you always have tempo. And then it also kind of blocks certain picks, because previously, if someone had like an Ash AD mm -hmm. carry, uh, your mid laner would potentially have to play pay the cleanse tax where you have to lane with cleanse now so an Ash arrow doesn't kill you at level 6. Yep. But now... You actually get to start with heal in case you get ganked. If you don't use heal, you teleport back to lane. And then when Ash hits level six, you now have cleanse. That's, right? the, that's the whole point of the rune. That's though. the whole so. point of the rune, right? But when the cooldowns are also decreased so much, you're now already ahead and you have kind of your cake and eat mm -hmm. it too. Um, it, I think it's proving to be a lot more powerful than was first anticipated. Yeah, I mean, my my vision for this and, you know, like what I think it should be is the swapping, right? I think it's really cool if you get rewarded for, okay, I went to, I went to lane with Ignite and, you know, I, I tried to all in him and then I, like, I used my Ignite, but now I swapped to something else and that is a slightly lower cooldown or whatever, like then it would have been just taking down normally and now I, you know, healed and then I swapped to cleanse. You have to keep swapping and, and trying to find ways to utilize it. I think that is really cool and, and would make it more interesting um my impression of how it's used mostly is just like well i can tp back to lane real fast and so i'll just dump all my mana and if you don't have it i tp back way faster you run out of resources and you have to take a, a crappy base and you lose lane right and um doing the you know the lounge stream with poe and febvin this past week i was talking with them mm -hmm. a fair bit about it and why they felt you know the kind of like big four uh, mages were in there and they're like well 
because of because of spellbook. They felt that everyone else is just getting pushed out. It's it's mostly about in competitive play who can abuse this this uh, rune the most. And if you can't use it well, then well you you play into someone who can. They're like great, you want to play Zed with electrocute. Well, it doesn't matter if you poke them down at all because they just dump all their mana, shoving you in, and then TP back with full mana again. And they do it so quickly that you can't really maintain lane pressure if you can't. And one of those big four is Azir, but he's like the outlier. He's the Mm -hmm. only one that doesn't have to because that's how strong Azir is right now. Well, it was interesting because they were even saying they think that Azir is going to start. Oh, my God. They were saying that in 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 their uh, opinion, you should take it. Well, here's my question now. With Biscuits being moved to their own line, like, does that just... Does the Boots Biscuit thing actually do anything? I think a tangential reason why Spellbook was taken so much is that mm-hmm. every line of the Inspiration Rune Tree has something really good in it. Yeah. Previously, it was like Stopwatch Boots and either 5% CDR or Mostly. 100 health to be more defensive if you're a support or if you're Tom Kench, just so you can run super fast and eat someone. doesn't matter, yeah. Uh, but like, you're, you're, not, you're still not pushing that person out of lane, yeah. even with the extra 10%. Uh, I have also like, there are worlds where you are airy scorch and you're actually able to poke someone out so maybe that pushes them over Mm -hmm. but i feel like now if they're just taking biscuits or if they're dematerializing to push even faster you're never even going to have time to harass them yeah biscuits is really strong i actually think that it was kind of under prioritized sometimes like when you think about the amount of times you see a stopwatch where someone is just already dead you know what i mean and stopwatch is wasted even in pro play it's very very common pretty big stopwatch nerf by the way yeah the 100 it's no longer 120 Uh, sellback it's a 20 i'm super happy i've just been Itching for a reason to not take it. I now you're fr- you're free boots and be, biscuits. Not, yeah, yeah, exactly. free boots and biscuits every game. I think, um, which which honestly I don't think makes it that much worse. Like yes, like I feel really good about the fact that people like are not going to be able to have this ghetto jail free card as often, or at least you feel like they're being they're paying more of a cost mm-hmm. for it, right? You're not just getting gold from it too. Um, but biscuits really is good for any sort of sustained lanes. Like when Nasus, when I was playing a lot of Nasus in the last patch, I'd always take biscuits, and it feels so yeah. hard to get pushed out of lane when you have you can start like especially when you look at like the GP starts we're seeing in Nar, people are going relic shield three pot. If you have biscuits as well, and you have klepto, you can steal health potions, have three health potions base, <laughs> plus you can get one or two biscuit deliveries before your first base, and it's like oh my god, this person has six yeah. six potions. How are you supposed to push them out? And your potions are more effective because your yeah. inspiration tree. Let's talk about. Some of the mid laners, though, like Azir did get changed. Rise did get changed in the patch. Uh, Azir got a big cooldown increase on his Q early on in the game. It's 15 seconds at rank one, and then scales down to five seconds eventually, which is what it used to be at. But then a bigger change is the soldiers now draw minion aggro. So if he tags a champion while he's wave clearing, he'll actually take some hits. So my initial thought is, wow, that sounds big. But then I also thought the yeah. minion aggro uh-huh. change from single target and if you're killing the minions big, anyway, it won't matter. And it didn't seem to matter at all. Like, like I was like, oh my god, Kessen is going to be unplayable. And then it, when the rate changed a fraction of a percent, so ha, so ha, there you go. <laughs> we did it. We called it. Um, but yeah, so may- maybe it doesn't actually matter that much. But the the cooldown certainly matters a lot. Four seconds at rank one, I think, is uh pretty big. Yeah. yeah. And and that's something that you want though. Like Azir, if you're supposed to be a late game god. You should be punishable in the early game. You shouldn't just mm-hmm. be able to shove for free. And I really hope that this does not just mean that we see now Spellbook is here every game and they're just like, <laughs> dump the mana, base, you can't interact. So like, yeah, that would be sad. I mean, I'm looking at it, I'm like, so I'm pretty sure you max Q first. Yep. Uh, I don't like main mid lane, but you do. Uh, you do. Uh, that's what I've always done. And it goes down pretty quick. So it's a couple of extra seconds. Like, this is a. You know, decent nerf, but I don't think this is going to push Azir out of mm-hmm. competitive. I think mm-hmm. we'll still see 
uh, Azir in competitive. Rise, stopwatch, Orzonia's now cancels Rise's ultimate yes. as though he had been interrupted by crowd control. He'll still be played, uh, I think. I wonder. I wonder how much this will, this will matter. I mean, it feels so good. That's a change that feels so good to see because <laughs> that interaction was so bullshit. And it's like, this is just yeah. nice to know that it's gone. Even if he still played, I'm more okay with it um, because there's just like it allowed him to play so monkey. Yeah, like you just play <laughs> dumb, right? Like you're there's even in pro play, like people doing these split push t- styles where they they have no vision, there's running straight down the lane, doesn't matter, you have this get out of jail free yep. card. So, I'm glad that's gone because if people are going to make rise work, they're going to have to be much more intelligent yep. about it, which uh, I They'll think They'll actually have to ward. They'll actually have to all yeah. the way early. I'm, yeah. I'm super happy about that one. It's a great change. Uh the other ones uh for jungle, they targeted the two most played junglers, Jarvan and Sejuani, a mm-hmm. couple of hits to the tanks. Uh, the Jarvan one, I know how much armor affects Jarvan and him coming in and out of competitive yeah. play. Because it, last time, maybe a year ago or whatever it was, it was like three armor they took off. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is he, four! And he dropped out, and this is four. So. You get blasted by raptors with it, less armor. It, it really does hurt, yeah. Um, so I'm definitely curious to see. It, it Basically, you'll just have to play it a couple times and see how the clear feels. Um Sometimes people then have to adapt, and they're like, "Ooh, we have to fit in like a an early Summoner, scuttle spellbook and biscuit." <laughs> yeah, well, actually, like, like goddamn, this, this is, well, I think this is Wani and Jarvan nerfs are real, which means Kazix, Zach, and maybe even Camille Jungle plus Jax uh, all move up. Like, mm-hmm. it, it depends on whether or not it actually kills Jarvan. I don't think it will. I think people are still willing to take it for, or at least we'll but, be willing I mean, to take last it for week, a while. People weren't picking him much in NA at least, right? Yeah. Like his priority went down a lot. There I mean, was a lot of pick- Jax is going to go way up. Four armor means a lot in your early clears. And if, uh, and if he was already falling in priority, maybe we'll we see. don't see yeah. him much. We'll have to see. Definitely need to test that one see how low you get. The Sejuani one though, I've been spamming Sejuani. Not because I want to, but because you want every LP. team I'm on needs a tank. She wins 2v2s too. And like at level 9 She's just a bonkers tank. But uh, the that nerf I think is really big. The mobility, hitting mobility, always feels uh, I feel the most whenever I'm playing any any jungle champion. And this is huge. Four seconds because you usually leave it at, at uh, rank one. It's a one I think wonder. that what people will do now is Max after second. your W, then you're going to start putting you know at least drop a couple points into it to lower that thing down because 17 seconds is very long for. You know, trying to getting caught. The, mm-hmm. That's the time period where you're in and out of team fights, and uh, it's it's definitely gonna be a sizable nerf. That would mean that you would just lose out damage on your permafrost mm-hmm. instead of yeah. putting points there. But um, I think that's gonna be the trade. I think it's pretty big. Like I remember, and this is a weird relationship to draw, but do you remember when Volibear was meta in like 2013? No. Kobe, he was, he was meta. Go back, watch St. Vicious play in Volibear the in the LCS. Kobe. Check the tapes. Uh, a similar nerf. I remember, I remember Snoop Ed playing it on EG. That's yeah. the only competitive game a I remember. A couple of people playing it does not and a meta remember, make. He was I remember him standing on every single, it's like they were doing this base defense and he stepped on one trap and he's trying to clear out all traps and he stepped on five traps in a row and just died before the fight even started. And I was like, oh yeah. no. All right. It was the end of EG. He was meta. But a, a nerf kind of like this killed him forever. A, among other things. 
because what Among happened? Among him being crap. Is, his Q, I'm stuck on step number one. Still, all right. But his he, Q used to be a base percentage of move speed at one point, mm. and they made it so the early ranks were a low percentage and the higher ranks were a high percentage. But like these types of nerfs are way bigger than you think if it actually changes, if it forces you to change your skill order. Yeah. Because no one likes putting points in Q on Sejuani, as far as I know. Like you want to max W and then you need to max E. Because the stun duration on E is what yeah. allows you to make it into range to get the damage, which is the big part of the damage in the kit. And if you only get to Q into a fight and never get to Q again because now the fight's over, th like that is actually really, really big for Sejuani. So yeah. I need to keep a really close eye on the Sejuani to see if it like actually gets It also means well, you rarely will ever get access to leveling up your E. If you're doing Q second, there's not a lot of games that you get to like the level 18 yeah. range. And if you're not leveling your E, you're not able to proc that stun very often because it's one second. And if people yeah. are building Merc Treads, it's like you got, you got half a second to try and get an auto in. You're, you're on a good roll here. Um, I'm just, I don't know about the Volibear method. <laughs> I also don't know about Volibear. <laughs> but, but as soon as I saw these uh, Sejuani nurse, I was like, all right, I'm switching to Zach. Uh, yeah, that's the go-to tank. I think most people natural. will. Another big one, I, I think, is Kog'Maw. I think those changes are, are actually pretty impactful because um, this is something like, it's essentially at level nine, you always max your W first. It's 2% less of the target's maximum health per hit. When you're attacking at insane attack speeds as this champion does, uh, not only is this a late game nerf, this is an early game nerf because Kog'Maw on one item with Rage Blade at level nine was exceptionally strong. What do you define insano? Over one point five? Over one point seven five? He's talking about yeah. win, 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 win percentage. Oh. Judges yeah, all yeah, nerfs yeah. and win rate percentage <laughs> no. raises. I thought you were talking about insane op attack speed. Like what is insane op attack? When he's just he's just throwing up. Just you that, can't that, even that, see that, the individual. That, individual that's when you've reached anymore. insane. Op. That's okay. when he's reached insane. When you get a connected stream. Exactly. When you have a connected <laughs> stream, that's when it's insane op. But not before. Yeah. Um, but I think this is definitely a, a couple percent nerf. Like, I, I think this is actually a really big one. Um, maybe, like, the biggest nerf of the, of, of the bunch, like, in my opinion. Woo. So, uh, this will be interesting. I mean, Kog'Maw has not played that much in NA. Uh, it's played more in, like, in, in, in ALCS, I feel like. Uh, it's played less than in some of the other regions. Mm -hmm. um, but... He's, like he's been he's, banned a lot. Yeah, he has been banned a lot. And he's a solo queue terror. I feel like yeah. there's so much Kog'Maw in solo queue right now. I think so he I'm, deserves the nerf. I just wonder if this was like... It might be too, too much, much, but but it is, it's so frustrating to play against this champion because it just feels like if he ever reaches those items, you just lose. Like, especially if there's some sort of defensive support, it feels like you will you never, at least in, in the less coordinated games, you know, in solo queue and these sorts of things, if they have Janna Cog and he gets mm -hmm. a couple items, I just feel like the game's over. Yeah. I feel like I have no way to win. So I, I'm I'm glad that he's getting nerfed. Um, but what I'm kind of interested in with a lot of these changes is if it will, if you guys think it'll actually push other things in, you know, Move the needle. if Jarvan and Sejuani gets knocked out, do we actually see Skarner, right, who's super high win rate in solo queue and these sorts of things? Like, does he come in? Uh, Lucian got a little bit of a buff. Like, do we actually see anything getting changed with the spellbook thing? Do you think 10% is enough to push out some of the big four? Mm. Well, at least for junglers, even if Sejuani and Jarvan get pushed out, I think there's still a lot of things that can jump in. Zach and Jax are tradable tanks. Mm -hmm. Kazix and Camille are tradable AD guys. Rengar's still good. Nidalee's still good. Nunu's still big, right? Yes, I think Skarner is potentially there, but you need a team comp that can work with Skarner. Um, that's as far as I think with junglers. There's a pretty big roster of junglers right now, so I don't think it'll like really create a lot other than get rid of the the junk at the top what do you guys think about lucian because those are decent sized early game buffs potentially making him less level dependent but i guess it really depends on the current state i guess of bottom and mid lane like mid lane's a bunch of long range mages probably not great for lucian 
uh, any chance you see him bot lane? Um, I believe my boy Doublelift tweeted that he's always right. Some, uh, he wants some range changes. No, nope, not getting than, those. Rather than not getting range changes. But these these definitely do look like decent damage changes, you know, to the passive. And I, I kind of like buffling along the lines of the champion. We don't want to convert yeah. every eighty. His second shot damage the, is more, and he gets ranges. more crit damage. Like I, I actually think, you know, when you're talking about um, the early stages, right, how it does increase, I actually see this as more of a Lucian's probably a lot better late game because if you're doing the IE style builds, like if you go back sure. to like a traditional marksman build, yeah. 75% crit instead of the 25 on your on your second shot. Like if you have 80% crit build or even like 100% crit build super mm -hmm. late game, like that's a significant amount of damage and you can be constantly proccing that. Yeah. Like I, I'm not sure exactly how much of a DPS increase that would be, but just like looking at that to me, I'm, I'm thinking, hey, Lucian late game scaling might be a lot better. Yeah, I think if he comes back, he comes back bot lane because mm -hmm. that's where you're going to be able to do the essence of your build and you're not relying on the Blade of the Rune King Black Cleaver thing that was mid lane. I was going to say that was kind of one of the peaks of Lucian was when he was going semi-bruisery, yeah. Bork and Cleaver and stuff. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't uh, really help. So this crit. is like a different direction. Yeah. yeah. All right. Last thing though. I want to talk about on the patch is these little baby Victor buffs they gave where the shield on the empowered Q, once you upgrade it with your hex core, is 60% higher. That looks a lot bigger than it is. It's like... It sounds big to me. 60%. Sounds big. 60%. Yeah. The 100-point shield is now 160-point shield. Uh... And then the Chaos Storm cooldown goes up at late, later ranks. But I've actually been starting to play Victor again lately. And I don't know uh, if this build can transition to pro, so to speak, but it is definitely fun. Kobe told me about Dunn, the NA one-trick challenger Victor, D-U-N. He was going Abyssal Mask into Iceborne Gauntlet. He slammed us. Yeah. It feels really good, actually. It does not feel good to play again. Yeah, because when I was playing Victor before, it's like you do your hex core upgrade, which is painful in itself to try and get to because it's 1250 for the first one. But like if you get good enough of Victor, you're able to surpass that point in the game. And then you'd like build a Lich Bane and you get a combo off and then you die and then you're one shot. But the Abyssal Mask and the Iceborne give you a ton of health and resistances, hits your 40% CDR, so your Q is on a short cooldown, and you still have 200 AP from your Hex Core, so he's still doing enough damage to duel people. Like, mm -hmm. I think it is the best Victor build, actually, just because uh, hitting the CDR cap is super important on Victor to cycle your Q move speed, and it kind of gives you back some of that Rylai's control he used to have when you're getting the auto attack, which converts to magic damage, actually, since that's what Victor Q does. So I do wonder if even these little baby buffs, if people are willing to go for that build, bridging to that point is still difficult. But if you get there, there's a chance that it's it's actually pretty strong. Yeah, the biggest thing to me playing against him was the the change in play style from like a, a normal Victor. Mm -hmm. uh, it's instead of just people slapping this build on Victor and kind of playing him, mm -hmm. uh, he made sure to really utilize the speed. Uh, it's the mm -hmm. biggest difference that you notice playing against uh, Dunn is that he uses the speed so effectively, not only to yeah dodge skill shots and and all that, but he would chase down our carries. Um, and not like ignore our front line, but be able to get these huge chunks on our carries past the front line, then sidestepping the big crowd control abilities. And so he's like soaking enemy cooldowns, plus, mm. you know, being this semi, you know, mid, uh, you know, midline sort of uh, yeah. DPS. And not everyone is, is going to be able to jump on that quickly. Yeah. Um, I think that eventually maybe, uh, you know, people would. But again, this brings up that same point 
uh, we were talking about earlier where you're like, oh yeah, well, uh, you know, Aurelia is fine because TF Blade is ranked number one, not right? Not say that. Yeah. <laughs> Aurelia's fine, Top Blade is fine. Check the taste, uh, yeah. pretty sure. Nick I learned fine. the opposite of it. As the one example is not. But uh, exactly. As Azale said before, <laughs> one person in, in being high ranked on a champion does not mean that champion yeah. is fine. Yeah. So yeah, Victor... Uh, still, you know, notoriously was like what? Second he was lowest the third lowest win rate. Win but rate to change. be fair, the second lowest win rate was Rise. He, yeah, he's also going fleet footwork uh, for what that's worth. He's yeah. tried that a few times. He's well, been I mean, bouncing. It's like, looking at his like, match history right now, yeah. it's like fifteen games in a row. Of fleet yeah. footwork. He's done fleet footwork. He's airy, done airy, and he's also done spellbook. Yeah, uh, and he doesn't go. Dependent. He doesn't go the Iceborne Abyssal every single game, but he does yep. it a lot. So it'd yep. be interesting to know, you know, what exactly his thought process is on on when he does it and when he doesn't think it fits. Because other games he's just doing. Let me guess. Main if void the other effort. team has a lot of attack damage, then he goes with the armor item. Yeah, but he's going. <laughs> he's going full defensive, right? It's going an MR <laughs> item yeah, and yeah. that. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it's pretty cool. I've also actually seen. Um, I don't know if it's if it's copying this guy or, or what it is or if it's just a trend, but I've seen a few TFs recently doing Iceborne and Abyssal and these sorts of things. I've been seeing more and more like tanky mage uh, trying to play this kind of like you said like midline like somewhat yeah. engagey different things, and and it seems like it, it works more effectively than you think. Yeah, uh, the Twisted Fates a long time ago going Rod of Ages first were actually yeah. some of the most frustrating for me to play against, mm -hmm. and now I think after. Apto posted, uh, or someone posted a uh, translation of Apto on Reddit mm -hmm. about Twisted Fate, and uh, he's been spamming it, you know, and he always has these insane win rates. Yeah, like 80% like rank, rank 1. Rank one yeah, the guy, the guy is extremely good at the game, um, but he posted some things, you know, behind the theories of, like, taking Resolve second and having, like, just enough tankiness for, you know, you know X, you know, matchups and not being able to have any bad matchups yeah. anymore because yeah. of the resilience uh, kind of tilted a lot of people in that direction. Yeah. Awesome. I'm still going to play Victor. Last thing I will say on it <laughs> is, did you know the Q shield has a max mana ratio on it? Nope. Yeah. So, the Abyssal Mask Iceborne Gauntlet actually makes your shield bigger, which gets buffed again by this patch. Wow. So that baby buff might be a little bigger. Sounds like you should go tier done. two. That's like this yeah. Dunn guy knows Victor this pretty guy well. Knows what he's doing. <laughs> uh, also, Fleet Footwork has a 0.4 AP ratio. So that's yeah. why he's doing it, so he can heal through his shield. Also, I'm just, I can't and emphasize that's enough. That's the, what I was thinking. The goddamn speed. He's fast. He was, he's a fast boy. Yeah, it was really annoying. Yeah, because I mean, the Fleet Footwork is going to proc on that Q too for, for the double moves to be on that. So it's it's pretty yeah. cool. Uh, but we should probably move on to oh, NLCS. Yeah. We spent a lot of time on Victor. <laughs> Jack <laughs> loves Victor. He was so happy that. And Volibear. There was a success yeah. game. I actually, actually really like, I love playing Volibear. Yeah. He just sucks. He does suck. Uh, anyway, so we have some hype matchups uh, coming up this week. Uh, Team Liquid is going to be playing C9 and Echo Fox. That's a really big one. Uh, TSM is going to be playing against CLG. Uh, so we're going to be focusing more in on these matches and, yeah. and kind of talking about what we think is going to go down. I want to start with C9 TL. All right. Because uh, I remember you, Freakin' Zyrene, had a conversation Hell yeah. about who is better, Team Liquid or C9. I just, yeah. Uh, th there, there was an interesting conversation. So I just didn't like Zarian's logic that he's using. Just walk um, us through. So basically, the conversation was: Freakos, who do you think looks better, like right now, essentially between it was between TL and, uh, and C9, or who do you think is the best team right now? I said I think right now TL looks the best because of how dominant they've played uh, in a lot of their games. And Zarian's argument was that he thinks C9 looks better because uh, because 
since they have not ended as fast, he knows that their late game is good. Whereas he was like, he doesn't know the team. He doesn't know that TL's late game is good because they haven't got there. And to me, that's just like a bit of a logical fallacy because it's like you're taking away points for TL being too good, right? Like that doesn't really make sense to mm-hmm. me as far as saying, oh, well, maybe your late game sucks, so I can't give you points there because you win too hard. Like maybe you should try losing more. You yeah, know? I can see that. I mean, if if I am to uh, give the benefit of the doubt to the C9 argument, it's like they play, they have played more subdued and controlled and still had really mm-hmm. reliable victories. And that's why you could argue it. But uh, I, I agree that, because I mean, there's also like remember 2016 Immortals. I think Xenon looks really good. That's not the yeah. That's not the point. Remember 2016 Immortals, where all they did is win super fast. So as soon as they were challenged, they fell over. So as soon as they I, played Lucian Top, they lost. <laughs> boom! Watch out. Uh, I was actually gonna say yeah, you know, trying to um, give some sort of example there for the uh, Zyrene part of it. Mm. Uh, TSM, I believe. Uh, the year, uh, you know, when they had double lift and everything like that, and they were beating everyone so fast. 2016. It was, yeah. So it, it was 2016 summer. Um, you know, they had fastest game time, and, and we were all first, amped up. Smashed NA. Yeah, and we were, we were, they got first, they smashed NA, and then when they, when they went to Worlds, um, they themselves uh, gave the excuse of not, having so we're talking about spring split <laughs> in north america we're not talking about, I, I know i, I just, know i just, we we're not we're not saying like we're fighting against you here okay uh, we're just trying to trying to give some you know seed of where this could have come from yeah okay so who will win c9 and TL. let's just kind of re- re-hit on the matchup instead of this weird discussion about how you can <laughs> tell a team is good or not uh what what do we what do you value more when i look at these teams like tl had that very real drop off in week two which is a little concerning because they had their squad documentary where they had their like sports psychologist coach come in and double was complaining about how they didn't learn anything in four days. And after week one and they got all hyped for the TSM game, they're like, we did it. We're a good team. And they didn't learn anything in week two. They were then remotivated for week three. I- I'm wondering where my confidence level is that they stay motivated for this week. My current thought is that they should continue to motivate and grow because their matchups this week are so possible to solidify them as the number one team like if they're able to beat c9 yeah. uh and then also echo fox would be like huge for them yeah i mean if you if you 2-0 this week and you look good 2 this week as team liquid everyone says you're the best team in the league yeah like and, it's almost undebatable and talking about it individually like there's obviously been all the ole and x smithy hype from last year and there's been mm-hmm. the double lift hype constantly but the pobelter hype is what's picking up because he was i think the player of the week last week if we were to actually hand out one of those awards yeah so another like huge test for him playing up against Jensen and Phoenix this week. It's it's super cool. Like I, you know, I mentioned it earlier, but again uh, from the from the lounge stream when Pee and Febben both to me said, "Yeah, Pobelter is the best mid laner in, in North America." Like we were kind of talking about the whole thing of uh, Pee uh, B feels like he's been overshadowed and by Jensen and, and Bjergsen, and even said in interviews how he wants to you know change that. They're like, "No, no, he's the best." And they did give the caveat that. Mm-hmm. Uh, his team is is enabling him. You know, he's on the best team right now, so he is shining the most. But they also said they just think that Pobelter and uh, and Jensen and Bjergsen and even Phoenix that kind of lumped in there a bit were are all around the same skill level. So that mm. that was just really interesting here. And I think Pobelter's been playing great, so it's good to see him getting recognition. And it's interesting too because right now mid lane is so much about playing with your team and how to mm. play how to how to play with your team. So even there's this caveat of oh yeah. 
the team is working so well with Po Belter, you're like, well, that's you know one of the most important things of mid lane right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, that and clearing minions. So who is who is favored in this matchup? Like Jensen versus Po Belter, C9 versus TL. I mean, I, I'm preferential. Are you going for the individual one v one or the team v team? Let's talk about both. It's Kobe. A five on five. It's game, more bro. interesting. So <laughs> I, I don't think. It, yeah, I don't think it's it's the pure one v one. Like you know, they, these guys also talked a lot about how uh, one of the reasons they think Pobelter does so well is because him and Smithy work so incredibly well together, right? And I do think that's an advantage um, that TL has. They have played together for for quite a while now, and they have a lot of built up synergy there. Um, you know, I, I think if you look at Jensen individually, I, I definitely think, like, as far as historically his lane dominance, you would, if, if this is an isolated 1v1, you say, okay, probably Jensen, right? But, like, but it's not. And I think that Jensen and Sven Skarin do not work as well together mm-hmm. as Smithy and Pobelter. Yeah. Yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, because these guys have been playing together for a long time. I mean, I think I give the edge to TL, certainly. Um, but I don't think it's a big edge. And, yeah. and I'm kind of surprised saying that compared to, like, my expectations coming into the season and a lot of that is because of how heavily licorice has impressed me yeah. and then i'm seeing him going up against impact and at the start of the season i would say oh that's pretty lopsided now i think that's pretty damn even and i think smoothie and sinky have been incredible mm-hmm. so going up against double lift and ole that seems pretty damn even too i i think it's very interesting because um maybe if you're going like overall power levels or something it, it kind of feels even but they feel so different uh mm-hmm. impact was talking about licorice and impact uh, is definitely the more you know defensive type of top laner, right? And he yeah. he itself talks about it. He admits it. Um, you know, playing majority tanks and then you know throwing a little nar or something like that. Uh, but he was talking about licorice, and he was like, "Yeah, this guy, uh, you know, he he's a, it gets a little over aggressive. You know, he's good. He's good in lane. He's good. Uh, but I think he, you know." Typical rookie mistakes or whatever, you know, makes him over aggressive stuff. And I feel like Impact is the type of the guy to like call most t- top laners, like, oh yeah, but his one fly is, you know, a little over aggressive or something yeah, like that. Or he can't play tanks. He's the more defensive mindset. And yeah, Licorice has been on these mm-hmm. aggressive picks and stuff. So I'm super excited to see that matchup, how they actually play out. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, the aggressive play style or whatever going up the defensive one is always super fun Yeah, uh, to see which team can actually play around that better um, or if the aggressive one gets an early lead and starts to bully. And yeah, like, look. Is, if, you know, if, if Impact wants to play a more defensive style, if he wants to play Ornn or something, is Lickers going to have the confidence to play a really aggressive pick into that and try, and try to exploit that? Or even if it's a blind pick GP, yeah. which Impact has done a lot. And also, is C9 capable of doing that against this team. Yeah. Because Doublelift and Ole and Pobelter all create a lot of pressure, which is, I think, why I want to favor Liquid slightly, like a 60-40 in this matchup, mm-hmm. is not to sell C9 short or anything. I think Smoothie and Sneaky have been really good. And as you mentioned, Licorice has exceeded expectations. But because Liquid has the four fastest games in it's the so NALCS dominant. this split, they have just been that level of dominance where even though C9 has taken first turret, first dragon, first baron in every single one of their games, they're still not as dominant as Team Liquid has been with their speed of victory. So uh, that is like, that is easily coming into it, the matchup of the season so far. Yeah. Like these are the top two performing teams through be super games. hype. I especially like some of the creative victories that Team Liquid came up with when they were, what was it, Optic, I think, getting outscaled. Um, yeah, they're one and not they were slowly yeah slowly like falling behind and stuff and then they're able to pull back the entire game through a flank through the enemy jungle around Baron you know double lift on Callista's going over the back to to surprise <laughs> them and they're like oh 
Well, I guess, you know, good job because you, you got us with the Callista flank there. Arrow was also not in that fight, though, which was like, <laughs> eh, that kind of helps in the do it. Well, but um, but they, they do find ways to yeah. win. Um, Next team a- uh, would be Echo Fox that TL also plays that week. Echo Fox mm-hmm. had been undefeated. They lost to CLG in their third game in a row falling behind early game. This one, they were unable to come back. How do you feel about this team now? Uh, that Fox coin has kind of risen and even out. Small corrected. I, yeah, it's like maybe they're the third best team now. Or are they the second best team, fourth best team? I think they're still in the conversation for the top. Like, I, I don't think that they look the best right now, but I think that, you know, we, we can't take too much away from them. CLG looked a lot better this week. They did lose a game to them. Um, you know, it was like there's some concern about the fact that even in their win on Sunday, they were like insanely ahead. And then they're mm-hmm. kind of like, I think it was against FlyQuest, if I recall correctly. Um, I could have that wrong. But um, so. but either way, you know, they were massively ahead. And then they have the kind of some silly fights where they're walking in one at a time. They like kind of get to oh, yeah, yeah. And it was that was kind of weird. And people like, ooh, Ek Fox, maybe not taking it that seriously, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But um, this is, is going to be a big week for them, you know, being able to go up against Optic. TL. Uh, okay, so Optic. Um, I think that these guys should be focused for this. And I, and I think Echo Fox still certainly can challenge teams like TL. And, mm-hmm. and we've seen like how explosive some of their players are. Uh, you can definitely like take over a game with the Huni Dardock combo if they're, if they're working yeah. as well as they have been in some of these games. I'm, yeah. I'm a long-term investor. I believe you in the technology. It's still going up. I, I believe, yeah. I believe that is going to be the future. Um, I don't think they're going to be number one, though. Yeah. If uh, they're valued, if their valuation right now is top two, I'm selling. <laughs> so like I think Team Liquid will win this game. I think they're you know like the, I think they're top in the top three for sure. Yeah, 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 definitely top yeah. three. They're but probably, I yeah. I don't think. Uh, and the main thing to me is like I'm so excited for the bottom lanes of Team Liquid and Cloud Nine to go against each other because they've been performing extremely well and like been very standout. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm not as excited for um the Echo Fox uh, bottom game. lane to to you know take that same matchup. Um, not exactly. Sh- put my finger on why um even though they have had you know good engagements and, and stuff as well um it's just kind of they have not been as sneaky dominant. and smoothly have, outstanding yeah have been ex- extremely outstanding um and double lift and ole i'm always excited to see the update uh has has double lift pushed ole too far do you apologize <laughs> enough in time or whatever and they work it out because they they keep on having so many of these videos come out where yeah double lift is giving him you know uh criticism or or telling him um trying to teach him stuff and and ole's uh you know working through it i think th- i think they're on they're good now i love ole's was the last update the yeah ole is just a sweetheart i think yeah, ole just, can get along with anyone ole just seems like the most wholesome individual ever yeah. like I think Apollo might have some competition for this person in the LCS. <laughs> They're gonna have to have like a nice off or something. But uh, Ole seems seems like a really nice guy, and and he's been very good uh, yeah. for his time yeah. in the NALCS. But this is it's interesting to me because at this time, you know, in, in summer, like you know, is during summer, I, I felt like he was clearly the best support. Mm-hmm. I feel like Smoothie has has outshone him so far this this split. Uh, yes, it is just six games, but um, but definitely Smoothie has been so outstanding to me. And I think Smoothie, like, in particular, the way that he's been moving around the map with Spellbook and just roaming around and still, you know... Protecting objectives as well, key objectives. Yeah. Uh, he's He's been very good at... It looks, at least, uh, from watching the game, whoever's making the call, and we assume that it's him. He made he made the call in the Baron one, at least. He's yeah. Like, he's like, so I'll we did get the, the, the listen-in. Yeah. So, uh, like, I feel like the, the timings are, are definitely coming together. And he has been working on 
that aspect of his game for a long time. I feel like yeah. all the pieces are kind of there. Yeah, and before we move on to TSM versus CLG, which happens on Sunday and is not the most tight matchup of the weekend because TLC9 is so good. Do you guys follow Ole on Twitter? Yeah. You, yeah. He, this this is a an lot example of, of how wholesome he is. <laughs> uh, and this is just from like the last day. I have watched so many Japanese movies nowadays, but I realize reality is not same as movies. I give up. At least I learned simple Japanese sentences. Uh, good thing of being single. I can choose which movie I want to yeah, watch. Yeah, yeah. I can choose what food I'm going to eat. I don't need to ask anything to decide something important, and I don't need to ask before I go out. Bad thing, do it alone. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. He has double lift. He's fine. He's so wholesome. <laughs> they can do it as a team, but... Uh, before we move on to the TSM CLG as well, so are, what are you guys' predictions then for the TL Echo Fox? TL. Yeah, I just have them. I have them like 70-30 favored. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And I, it's, it's for all the stuff we talked about. Like, yeah. I think Echo Fox is, is very good and they're way better than like the 6th, 7th that people are kind of hedging on. And I think they're like top four. So yeah. going into this Liquid's week, you guys are team. saying you would take Team Liquid over anyone. Right now. Yeah. I think TL is the best team in the league from what they've shown. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that both Echo Fox and C9 have the ability to beat them, but you know, I, th- I think they're very slightly fair against C9. I feel they're more heavily favored against Echo Fox because of the bot lane. Because when I'm looking at that matchup, I'm like, Dublin and Olay have been, I think, a lot more impressive mm-hmm. uh, than than Adrian and Alltech, and and then you're depending on the top side of the map maybe to kind of be smashing, and I think that's pretty hard uh, mm-hmm. to ask against TL from what they've shown too. Yeah. I mean, are you now buying TL? No, I'm looking for I'm looking for some because uh, if I'm definitely if I'm playing the percentages, then yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think that Team Liquid are overall. If you're playing enough games, then they're gonna be come out on top of any team. Uh, but I would have to take into account what happens in their game versus Cloud Nine to see yeah. how um, Licorice versus Impact goes because Huni can definitely completely change. The way a game looks, we've seen him the last couple of weeks, you know, on gangplank stuff, and he's getting focused. And uh, you know, the gangplank early game isn't there, but mm-hmm. don't forget about you know the, the week previous to that where it was Nar or the Lucian top and stuff like this. Like Huni can play so many different champions that they can they can actually build an entirely different team comp that's not in the meta right now and and beat you very quickly with it. So um, that's why I kind of hesitate on the Echo Fox game, especially the other's the best mm-hmm. one. Uh, and I feel like I know what I'm going to get with Team Liquid, and it's very good. But there well, he could, could play be, Riven and get a Pentakill. He could he could play you know, Riven and get a Pentakill. There you go. <laughs> Azale has called it. I'm I'm holding out for some Huni Riven because he's yeah. played in the past. Consod, I'm like, come on, Huni, give me the Riven. Well, I don't know if we'll get it. TSM CLG. Yeah, they were both one and three. They're both three and three. Ooh, both teams are saved clearly. Mm-hmm. Both of them. Um, not really. I think. I think TSM showed a level of improvement last week that was pretty promising, but they also had like a pretty easy schedule of it. They got to play a flailing Golden Guardians team and then had that pretty solid win against 100 Thieves. Whereas when I look at CLG, uh, they had that good win over Echo Fox, which was kind of a close game. And then they also got to play the flailing Golden Guardians. So like both of them uh, had that matchup where they looked really impressive. Mm-hmm. So how much are you buying the improvement of both TSM and CLG? So I, I already felt like TSM was going to be good by the end of the split. Like, mm-hmm. I still felt that even when they were one and three, whereas CLG I was much more surprised by. You know, we talked about it last week. I was like, we're, you know, probably time to panic for CLG fans because the ways in yep. which they were losing. Perfect time to beat the top team. There you <laughs> go. Exactly. Uh, Nailed it. 
Yeah, of course, it's classic. But uh, I just think that their like improvement, so to speak, at least, this this may not be the case behind the scenes. Maybe they've always been playing really well because I know all the pros and coaches and everyone that I talked to were still, even when they were 1-3, no, 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 you should believe in CLG. is really good. Like, trust me, they're going to be good. Um, but they had not shown that on stage at all, right? And, and judging based off what they had shown on stage, and that's one of the difficulties, I think, with best of ones compared to best of threes. You know, if someone's 1-3, and three, you've seen four games, right? So as, a, as an analyst, yeah. that makes it very hard to judge the true strength of the team because it can be a couple of bad games. But they looked pretty good. And 6A in particular, I think it was so important that the games were kind of won with him uh, you know, as a focal point mm-hmm. because he had fallen flat uh, every other time in, in the split, really, when that had been asked of him. And seeing that he can play well like that, seeing Rainover have some good games, gives you a lot of hope that this team can rise in the standings. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think both these teams uh, are going to be on the rise. So it's so interesting that we have them clash at the same mm-hmm. kind of point in their curve right now. Um, I'm especially curious. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, COG played FlyQuest, not Golden Guardian. So I just want to... You just fix that. You just say every win any team gets. Yeah, is I'm, over sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Golden Guardians lost that's... to Team Liquid. COG beat Echo Fox and FlyQuest. <laughs> want to be technically correct, Kobe? Um, Kobe. What was I talking about? Oh yeah, I want yeah. to pay attention to uh, the continuation of uh, Stixe uh, because before last weekend he was talking about not you know having trouble finding confidence on stage mm-hmm. and um, being a bit uncomfortable and not quite sure why. You know, he wasn't performing and, you know, why he was getting hit with these things. But um, uh, afterwards, he tweeted out himself that Big stick, uh, big Dick Say is back. And yeah. I was like, whoa. You can't tweet that about yourself. We had a conversation about this. <laughs> I was like, Jet is decided. that seems weird. Yeah. Official proclamation. Well, I was yeah, like, that seems weird to, to, like, tweet it yourself because that's, like, a nickname, you know, people have given to you and stuff. Um, but uh, it, it's like... So that's why I'm curious. It's, you know, keep track of not only where his play is, but like where his, um, you know, mental. But state does is. he remain big dick say? I don't know. We're <laughs> gonna have to tell tune people in you're big dick say. I think that Were you ever undermines big dick say. Other people can say it about you, but <laughs> that's just that's just not how it works, man. Uh, I, well, I'm. It is how it works. You he can, did it. Maybe yeah, he did it. <laughs> there you go. Maybe you can bestow the title upon him next weekend. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll we'll consider it. Yeah, uh, you'll keep, keep it under consideration. Okay, uh, and I'm not a superstitious person yeah. by nature, but I'm getting a little superstitious about CLG. Like just uh, when I gave up hope on them, oh my god, they won against Echo Fox. <laughs> so I'm not willing to say they're back because that just means that they will lose again. So do you have any lucky socks? This I, is this I'm is our full time analyst now. He's, he's going to be whispering in the mirror. He's going to have this yeah. whole routine when he gets up, drawing CLG on his yeah. forehead. Every and... time I say something negative, I'll like wink, or every time I'm oh positive, I'll start God. the sentence with "They will not," and then I'll make my point. And the funny thing so. is, it'll like continue to be true. So he'll be like, "Yeah, see." 100%. There you go. You yeah. can't argue oh. with this. Every time I say they're going to lose, they win. Every time I say... When you predict both sides of the matchup, you usually get it right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anyway, uh, COG plays Optic on Saturday, and TSM plays Clutch on Saturday, but then Sunday they play each other. Who do you got in this game, TSM or COG? Uh, I don't know, man. It's really hard. I think, I <laughs> but think... remember... But remember... That you have to win you twice. COG, yeah, yeah. TSM will win. Okay, do the secret handshake. It is impossible to predict. This, this is actually really hard. <laughs> I still, I still want to say I'm, I'm uh, leaning TSM's way, but TSM, you know, in their first two weeks definitely didn't look very good. Give uh, me your argument, because that's the more I- interesting thing to me. Like picking one side is like you know whatever, because both of, everyone's gonna be like, ah, hey, it's pretty close. Mm-hmm. 
What uh, uh, what you got? So my my thought process is, is simply like this is I'm looking at this more similarly to how I was looking at like TL versus Echo Fox, where I do think bot lane, even though uh zen and Mithy have not been outstanding i think when i look mm -hmm. at like the sum of their works or whatever throughout this split i think they have been much more consistent and much more impressive as far as that goes like i haven't really looked at at zven and been like you're the reason that that your team has lost the game and i do think that tsm historically like always seems to to improve week over week they showed us a fair bit of improvement last week and like i have still a lot of faith in zven and Mithy as a duo because of of their like all their history and how well they've been playing. So even though uh, I still have a lot of questions about Mike Young, I, I just have a lot of confidence in the other four members on that team. And Darshan and Hui have been playing great. But I, so like, I think that top side of the map could be fairly even, but I, I still think it just comes down to the bot side. And I think that Bofrost and Stixay overall have just not impressed me that much. And they've shown too many like glaring errors. And mm -hmm. and that one big mistake that, that costs you, I think uh, is often what the game has been coming down for them uh, because the games have been kind of going long. So if you make that one mistake in a team fight, the game ends. Yeah, yeah, that's... One thing I'd say about COG is they're they're too messy for me to want to pick them against TSM, who plays so slow and is mm -hmm. looking like they're playing more controlled. <laughs> if you're watching video, I may Otherwise, there was just a weird silence. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> there was just a weird silence. Uh, but... In all seriousness, Kobe, as he's you're you're loving this right now. Well, say it. Uh, sitting here. Yeah. In, in all seriousness, TSM I think showed more improvement than CLG, uh, and the way in which CLG win, I just I don't see that type of chaos emerging in this TSM game uh, with the trajectory they're on right now. I I think who he still played really inconsistently, and I'm not necessarily bought into that. Uh, and it's going to be a super tough bottom lane again, even though Sticks I had good games last week. All right. Since it's two TSM. TSMs, this is the time for me to pull out the CLG flag. Mm -hmm. uh, specifically, because the most interesting part of this game to me is going to be the jungle matchup. Mm -hmm. And while Rainover was the culprit of a lot of the early suicide missions, definitely made a couple oopsies. Yeah. Um, him or him and Zix or him plus Zix plus the analyst or whatever uh, consistently came up with uh, very good early jungle routes. And um, just personally for me, the jungle uh, fight recently for experience early has felt like it's been pretty big as far as the early game goes. Um, that in combination with the confidence of a lot of the other players, uh, what they've been saying secondhand and, and the coaches... Um, so stats wise, those are the two best junglers in the league at uh, experience. Yeah, like experience so, difference of ten. They're exactly, the and that's why I'm so excited for this matchup. Um, because TSM, in a similar fashion to how Stixay was, uh, you know, very happy and very open about expressing his confidence after mm -hmm. their wins last weekend, TSM did a very similar like overcompensating thing. It felt like to me with Mike Young. They took this very beautiful picture of all of them, you know, and like praying to Mike Young, the jungle god afterwards. Uh, and Bjergsen was like, finally, Mike Young smurfing in LCS. And yeah. um, and he had a really good performance. They're building them up. So um, it's 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 going to be the same thing where we're, we're again looking at, at these two. And is Rainover actually going to reapply pressure? Mm. Um, or will CLG gets you know over aggressive again as we've seen a lot of the times in the mid game where yeah. they dive and then they also kind of start funneling into losing situations so mm -hmm. it feels like maybe the communication 
needs to be cleaned up or has been whoever was in charge maybe was too focused on saving losing situations and you know not kind of cutting off mm-hmm. a, a bad loss there but um that interaction is going to be really interesting to see because it could mean you know the actual like big surge of success for you know Mike Young he actually starts to dominate on a consistent level and mm-hmm. in uh or stick say you know doesn't make those big mistakes you're talking yeah. about and looking for for the late game fights and he no longer gets hit by any crowd control later or something i, I would also you know I, I would love to see uh Rina were playing more heavily around shop lane because when he gets an experience mm-hmm. advantage Sean has been consistently i feel like winning his lanes and doing well and i want to see him take his advantage and go to the strongest point on the map which has been the top lane for them mostly this season. And if, if and they Hunter's do that, been amazing for TSM. He has, right? And and it's not about the fact that I think, oh, Darshan's going to smash Hanser. It's just, I feel like Darshan has been clearly the best player for CLG this split. And when you have a jungler consistently getting advantages in the early stage, take that to topside, make it a 2v2, invade on the blue buff, these sorts of things. Like invade together on, on that side of the map. And yep. I think you're going to have a lot more success. And that's what I would love to see from CLG. And if, if they're able to do that, I definitely think they could win. Yeah. Because, uh, I think it has the potential to be a close game. Yeah. I'm going to decide which prediction I fall with based on Saturday's games. Oh, but right I, I now, thought that was your Right prediction. now, my gut is TSM Kobe. <laughs> okay. Yeah, not locking This is his in. pre-prediction. Yeah. You have to be wishy-washy with CLG, otherwise you're doomed for failure. Yeah. I mean, this is a definitely a difficult one to go after right now because— Especially with the slow starts. Yeah, yep. and we expect both of them to be on the climb right now. And I think so. both of them are on the climb, right? Who's going to get knocked off the mountain? Yeah, maybe they're both on the climb. I have to always couch the CLG statement. Uh, we're going to move on to Twitter. I'm going to get tired of this really soon. Uh, Nathan Wonder, uh, at Nathan Wonder, who are the top three imports and top three domestic players in NALCS? With that, what team has used their import slots most wisely? Hmm. Uh, this one actually might take a little bit of thought to get yeah. the like really correct answer. Hooney. As okay. best imports. So, sure. I mean, uh, smoothie. Immediately, I was thinking domestic, and I want to say smoothie, smoothie double lift. Smoothie, double lift. He doesn't, Bjergsen's not an import. He's, I said domestic. Yeah. So, like, so that it, immediately, that's that's what that, my quick thought. Uh, mm-hmm. But I mean, there are certainly Pobelter would be arguments for him, but I'm just thinking domestic. Those are the ones that popped in my head. Smoothie's been incredible. Double has been so good for so long. And so you, in. Yeah. those would be my three domestic. So, even uh, as of right now, the yeah. performance of Pobelter versus Bjergsen. You're putting Bjergsen in there. Well, I'm just saying, like, if I'm looking holistically, mm-hmm. like, you know, if I'm thinking, okay, which which would be the three? If I if I have to put three domestic players on my team, mm-hmm. and I could choose right. any three, those would be my three. Makes yeah. sense. Holistically, you'd, you'd rank Bjergsen above Pobelter, even though Pobelter's having like a great split, and right now it's mm-hmm. harder. Um, smoothie and double lifter, right there. I think I think one of the reasons TSM was able to use their import slots wisely is because they have Hanser and Bjergsen, who yeah. are both technically domestic. I think Hanser and Darshan Hanser and are in that Darshan, conversation for non-import. But right now, I think it's like smoothie double lift and then Bjergsen or Pobelter. Um, import wise, Huni. Like yeah, Huni's definitely there. I think Someday. Jensen is probably Someday there. Jensen. Someday's really good. Then you got to think about like Ole. Oh yeah, Ole. Rainover is still an import. Lear is still an import. Rainover is definitely not there for me. Lear is not, not right now. Not right now. Sven and Mithy, you want to like give consideration, but as of now, if just based purely only on this split, yeah. they would not be. But if you're looking historically, they would definitely be in the discussion. Um, but if I'm thinking like just right now, this split, I would 
probably have like Olay, Huni, and someday. Sin or someday. That probably be yeah. like three or four. But this that's that's a tough question. It's a really yeah. good question. But that's yeah. one that if you we might have your, to like, come back to answer, it, you'd have to point. think a lot. Like which time. team has used their import slots most wisely? Like that just depends on what domestic talent is available, yeah. right? Like have you imported slots where domestic talent is weak, or do you already have a gem in a spot that's normally heavily imported that allows you the flexibility in your import slots? Yeah, managing NALCS is pretty interesting. An interesting little game. Yeah. Yeah. juggle around which positions are the imports actually going to be in. It's one of the reasons uh, that I'd heard some people criticize TSM for their moves because, yes, Ven is great, right? He's an incredible AD carry. But you replaced, uh, like, you know, someone with an import slot, you replaced double if with an import slot, right? Right. So having a domestic player who didn't take that up, that was a lot of people's argument as to why that was a bad move because yeah. you're, you're saying even if they're around the same level, even if Ven's a little bit better, if it's, if it's a domestic player, it's a lot harder to find those incredible domestic players in mm -hmm. True. Not many of them. Nope. Got a value. Next question, Nick Stewart. Uh, would legal items be better without teleport? Zyrene posed this question, and he wants our take on it. This guy wants our take on it. This Zyrene is, didn't ask for it. This is a very long, uh, a long discussion, I think, like if mm -hmm. it would be or not. Like my gut answer is no, simply, but like, so I would, I would say conditionally yes. If you say, if you say yes, then it's like everything else has changed around it, right? All champions are rebalanced and stuff, then sure, I think that can be really cool. But if mm -hmm. it's literally just delete TP from the game, change nothing else, uh, I feel like, like especially from top lane point of view, that limits the amount of champions you can play so tremendously um, that you can only play lane bullies, you can only play these these champions that smash early game. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, that's such a huge cost. Yeah, and, and I, you can play Shen. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and map, map, like... Map movement, I also think, is such a like an important skill in the game, and that's also something that when you look at the great top laners, their TP usage is so strong. Yeah, I I definitely think it's a balancing act because, yeah. like you're saying, teleport usage is very impactful if the cooldown doesn't make it trivial, mm -hmm. right? If the cooldown is getting so low with this summoner spell book, and now there's four people taking the spell as well, that teleports are use willy-nilly then the big <laughs> impactful moment isn't yeah. isn't quite there i think it's an important lever to have in the game uh there was a time where most top laners were taking ignite this is way back in like 2012 2011 but by far the most op champions then in pro play were like karthus because he had a global nocturne because he had a global twisted fate because he had a global shen because he had a global right so teleport allows those champions to kind of exist. You'd think about now if Teleport was gone, suddenly Galio, Talia, all the other champions I just mentioned are now just way more powerful yeah. because they have the map positioning that other champions do not. Uh, and it, it's just a weird lever you then have to pull, which makes those champions mostly useless outside of their global. Um, and I like having it there. I don't like everyone having Teleport on a two-minute cooldown. I think that invalidates map positioning a lot of the time. Uh, but I think the game is richer for Teleport. Yeah. As long as it's balanced. There's got to be some tweaks. Mm -hmm. And then uh, last question we'll do here from Dan only. Uh, he says, with a third of the season done, who are your early contenders for MVP? And he is particularly impressed with Smoothie, POB, and most surprisingly, Phoenix. We're a third of the way into the season. So definitely, uh, you know, clearly we're able to make a clear decision on this. I would agree that Smoothie is in the conversation because C9's dominant, and I think a lot of it would be a tribute to his shot calling. Paul Belter would be your dark horse candidate. I think that's a, a small, a good read on it. I 
Phoenix, I wouldn't necessarily put there, even though he's mm-hmm. been great. I think most attention will be drawn towards Dardock or Rooney if you're talking best. about that team. And he's been very good, but he hasn't been like the best in that role, and they haven't been the best team. So anyone else? I thought those out? were really good answers Rooney. that he gave. Those are all people that can be in the conversation. Yeah, th- I think especially I think Smoothie and Pob I think are really cool answers. Smoothie definitely jumps out to me immediately. Um, if I'm giving like just top three off the top of my head right now. I'd be like, okay, maybe smoothie, maybe double if for 80 carries. Nick, he's been super good. Hooney for top lane. If it, I had to give a mid laner, POB could be in there for this performance so far. And Is there anyone outside of the three big teams, the Cloud9 at Team Liquid Echo Fox? So if... They would even put forward. If, uh, like... Hmm. TSM can end in first place. Yeah. I think then you're starting to consider their players again. Like just following the trends or of MVP. CLG, right? yeah. like you kind of Darshan. need to be at least fighting for first for a lot of the split or way up in the standings to even be considered. Cause like Hauncer last week was amazing. Yeah. Like his gangplank was, was out of control. But he also had some bad games at the start of the split and the team's not doing well. So he's currently not in the conversation. If CLG got near the top of the standings and it's you know, in the similar way to how they've been playing, I'd be I'd be probably an advocate for Darshan yep. or at least thinking about him because I feel like even in his losses, uh, he has looked really good. So definitely some consideration there. But it's an interesting question. It's something we're gonna have to put a lot of thought into throughout the split. Yeah, MVP is don't have to decide just yet. Fun. So I think that'll do it. That's been. 75 minutes of the dive. I think that's my rough estimate. Uh, thank you for joining us for yet another episode. A reminder, anyone who might be joining us recently, episodes come out Wednesday afternoon. They're on YouTube. They're also on SoundCloud, iTunes, and a few other various podcast platforms. Keep tweeting your questions at Kobe, at RyeChat, at RyeDazale. Use the hashtag TheDiveLOL so we find them. And this weekend, all those hype matches we talked about. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. 1.30 p.m. PST is Countdown, which is our 30-minute pre-show. Usually me, Dash, Mark Z, but we throw other guys in there too. Give us patch previews or phone a friend for stats and stuff. Make sure you tune in. It's really cool. 